Um, now, for our summer preaching series, we are working our way through Philippians, um, and we have invited a group of people who don't normally preach at Gateway. Um, so, Zeke and I kicked us off last week in style. I um, hope you'll agree. If you were here, it was great. The first part of Philippians. Um, so, this group of people have been doing some training together over the last few weeks, um, looking at preaching and working through Philippians together. And this week we have Malika. Where's Malika? Oh, you're here. Great. Let's welcome Malika. Yeah. Brilliant. Malika, over to you. Go for it. Okay. Can people hear me? Okay. Okay. My name is Malika, as Nigel's already mentioned. And it's great to be here in the house of God. And we are all God's children, and it's such a privilege to be part of God's family throughout the world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we have been coming to Gateway for the past two years, my husband, myself, and my daughter, Sandra. We've been coming to Gateway for the past two years, and um, we've absolutely, we are loving it here. And we've met some really amazing people here, and so we feel so humbled and honored to be part of this church here. And our story, if I, if I have to give a bit of background to us, is that we are from India, and Ebenezer and I, we've known Jesus since we were very young. We, and one of the things we've said to him once uh, we got married is that we would go wherever God wants us to go, and he's taken us up on that. And so he spoke to us about the calling of Abraham, and so... Abraham moved around, lived in tents, and built an altar to God wherever he lived. So that's exactly what sets the story of our lives. So, and the wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus is that wherever you go throughout the world, God gives you a church and a family to go, get to. And you, it's amazing how you can be anywhere in the world and you can connect with another person to such a level that it's impossible otherwise. And the, the thing, the, that's Jesus, isn't it? Because when you connect with a person and they know Jesus and you know Jesus, there's such an immediate connection. Wherever we, are, we went, God has given us really amazing church families and we met so many amazing people. So we thank God for his church. We thank God for Jesus. And today's preaching series, as Nigel already mentioned, is from the book of Philippians. And Zikamai spoke to us last week about growing in love. And one thing that Zikamai mainly talked about was that uh, we grow in love, but that's not because we come here trying our best, striving to grow in love and tick boxes and try hard. It's because of the transformation that Jesus brings in our lives that we are called to grow in love. And so this is... Uh, this follows the same thing, theme. Today we are talking, going to talk about a passage that's slightly different from what Paul wrote in the first passage. It's about Paul, his experience in prison, and while in prison, what were the thoughts that were going on in his mind and what were the reflections he was having. We are going to talk about that. Uh, but again, as we reflect on Paul's reflections and as we try to kind of assimilated in our lives, it's not about works. It's not about us trying to model what Paul did so that we can tick a box and 
please Jesus. It's about allowing Jesus to come into our hearts and do that transformation. So before we start, let's just take a moment to pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for this wonderful Sunday morning. We thank you because according to your promise that where two or three are gathered, you're here in our midst. You are here in our midst. And we thank you because you know the state of every one of our hearts. And you care about the state of every one of our hearts. And whatever situation we are in today, Lord, you care about it. And you know every detail of it, Lord. And therefore, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come, that you will come and speak to us, that you will come and encounter us and reveal your word to us. We commit ourselves to you. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, This preaching series is from Philippians. And this is actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And today's um, passage is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Um, Why did Paul write the letter? Paul was in prison in another place now. And the Philippians had heard about it. And they were concerned for Paul. And they were concerned about his situation. And they wanted to encourage him. So they sent a person called Epaphroditus with a gift to offer some encouragement and support for Paul. And after staying with Paul for a while, um, Epaphroditus then went back to Philippi and Paul sent this letter to him to thank Philippians for their gifts and to encourage them. And what is Paul addressing in this passage? Before we go on to read the passage, we're going to go on to read the passage in a minute. But in this passage from verses 12 to 26, Paul is addressing... um, his situation. So in the first passage, he talked about the Philippians, about how they, he would love to, for them to grow in love. In this passage, he's talking about um, his situation. He's taking some moment to reflect about his situation. And uh, why is this passage relevant to us today? Because so many times, just like Paul, we are in situations which seem as if we are in chains. And we find it really hard to come out of those kind of situations. It could be a situation with with another family member, with your children, with our spouses, with someone else, where things don't seem to move and they're not the way that they should be. Or it could be something in our job. In our job, we have a situation where we feel that we are in chains, really, just like Paul, that we are restricted. Or it could be a health problem that we have, and we prayed about it, but nothing seems to be happening. Or it could be a blessing that we waited for for a very long time. So all of us go through these kind of situations in our life. So it's really good that we look at this passage and we see what we can learn from Paul's experience and his reflections. So this passage is a small window into Paul's heart. And it's also a small window into his attitude during that time. And that helped him to keep joy in all situations, because we are commanded to rejoice in all situations. And today's worship, I think, was brilliant in that we blessed God, even in our pain, we blessed God in every situation. So keeping our joy in a difficult situation is the topic that we're going to be looking at today. Now, there's a bit of a background to this, because 
I think most of you here will know about Philippi and what actually happened in Philippi first. So Paul, right now, imagine him sitting in prison, writing a letter to the Philippians, and what actually happened in Philippi when Paul went there, and there was no Christian there, was that. Paul had a miraculous escape from prison. So he was there, he was put in prison, he got into trouble with people, as he often did wherever he went, and he was put in prison. And in the prison, in the midnight, he was just praising God, him and Silas together, and there was an earthquake. And in earthquakes, buildings usually crumble and fall, but in that earthquake, the building didn't crumble or fall, their chains fell off, and the doors opened. And it must have been deathly quiet, because the jailer didn't hear anything, and he thought everyone had escaped. So the jailer was going to kill himself, and Paul cried out saying, no, we're all here, we're all, we haven't run away. And the first question that the jailer asked Philip was, what must I do to be saved? He didn't ask, why, did you run over? why didn't you run away? He, so the, the jailer must have watched Paul and Silas, and he must have thought, there's something happening with these people. And so they have a God. They're praising God, and look what happens to them. So it, it's as if this So the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul gives him the gospel straight away, and they get baptized immediately, him and his family. So this was a miracle that happened in Philippi when Paul was in prison in Philippi. And right now, he's in prison in a place elsewhere, and he's writing a letter to them. So I'm sure Paul would have been reminded of that earlier prison escape, prison, how God rescued, prison rescue. And Nothing seemed to be happening here now. So Paul is now in prison. Nothing seems to be happening. No open gates, no trembling jailer, no earthquake. Nothing is happening. It's happened before. He's been in the situation before, and it's been brilliant. But now nothing seems to be happening. And yet Paul says in verse 12, so if we read verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So Paul's first opening sentence about his reflection in jail is, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So, the first sentence gives us an insight into what was really on the top of his mind. So, the past miracle was not on top of his mind. So, he could have started off saying, now I want you to know, brothers, that I am in this situation. I know I had a miracle. It's not happening now. No, he wasn't mentioning that at all. And that's so typical of him because, as he says in Philippians 3, verse 13... He says, brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So he didn't dwell in the past, whether it was a bad thing or a good thing, he didn't dwell on the past. So he was looking forward to what was going to happen. So that was always his attitude. And therefore he wasn't focusing on his past mistakes, uh, miracles. And another thing that I noticed in this beginning sentence was that he was not focusing on his release as well. He didn't say, now my brothers and sisters, don't worry, I have a few people working on my case and I think I am about to get released. He didn't say that. His mind was not on his release. 
And he wasn't focusing on himself as well. He wasn't focusing on himself or his Christ-likeness. He didn't say, now, my brothers and sisters, I'm okay with this because I'm getting to know God more and I'm getting more patient. He was actually focusing on Jesus himself and on making Jesus known. So when we are in a difficult situation, when things are not happening, what is, our, what is the foremost thing on our minds? That's a reflection that we, we could all have right now. So are we thinking, I am in this situation, I need an answer to this prayer, how can I get out of this situation? Is the situation foremost in our minds? The situation has to be on our minds, isn't it? Otherwise, we are detached from it. We are living through it now. And we need to think about how we can get out of the situation. But is that the foremost thing in our minds? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Or are we focusing on, okay, I am going through the situation. God has allowed this. What am I learning from it? How am I getting better? Am I getting more patient? So we can be focused on our, how we get to know God. And the third option that Paul seems to have had is, okay, I am in this situation. How is Jesus being made famous in this situation through me? So I need to talk about something that happened to me in Fusion this May about this because I am learning. We're all learning. None of us have grown to what we should be. So I was in Fusion this May, and I heard a preacher. It, it wasn't a main preaching or something. He just mentioned that. He discovered that he had a little health problem, and it could be something really big. He wasn't sure, and he started to pray, God, heal me. And then he suddenly prayed, stopped himself, and he prayed, God, I believe that you can heal me, but if this is going to be in any way useful then have your way. Allow this to happen. And as soon as I heard it, it really caught my attention. And I thought, that's a wonderful prayer to pray at the outset. So for me, it'll take a while before I pray that prayer, before I allow God. Uh, so I was thinking, that's such a wonderful prayer. Two days later, I found a lump on my thyroid. And I knew straight away why that had grabbed my attention. But, and I was able to pray the same prayer, but the words were slightly different. So I said, God, I don't need anything like this in my life right now, can't handle it, but if this is going to bring me closer to you, and if this is going to make me know you, Jesus, better, then so be it. I'm okay with it. I was able to pray that. I was surprised at myself. I'm still surprised that I did. And what's happened in this situation is that I did go get it. Of course, I didn't stay at home. I did go to the doctor about it. But there was such a peace in that situation that I cannot explain at all. And it's almost as if I didn't care. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was, uh, it's still an ongoing situation. I'll talk more about it later. But I, I, while I was reflecting on this, and as I was preparing for this uh, sermon, really, the Holy Spirit gently reminded me one thing. See, I didn't pray, God, I don't need this right now. But I prayed, but if it's going to get me closer to you and getting me to know you more, that's okay, I love it. That's what I prayed. But I could have prayed the way Paul prayed, isn't it? How would Paul have prayed? He would have prayed, God, I don't need this right now. 
But if this is going to give me an opportunity to make Jesus known to other people, so be it. Can you see there's a slight difference? And David Mathis in his book, Habits of Grace, writes that sometimes we can be focused on our Christ-likeness than on Christ himself. Now, there's nothing wrong in being focused on our Christ-likeness. Of course, we, we have to love to know Jesus more. There's nothing in, in all of these, there's nothing wrong in thinking about situations. There's nothing wrong in focusing on us knowing Christ more. But then Paul has shown that he's a bit, isn't it? He was focusing on making Christ known in the situation. And wherever we are in our journey, it's okay. But if we focus on the situation too much and not on Jesus, then that's going to be a bit harder for us, isn't it? So that's uh, the first thing that struck me from verse 12. We'll move on to verses 13 and 14. So Paul goes on to say, as a result, he talks about his chains, as a result of my chains, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, why was Paul in prison? Because he preached about Christ. What did he do in prison? He preached about Christ. So if you are punished for doing something, then you are expected not to do it, isn't it? That's what the punishment's for. But Paul wouldn't stop. He preached Jesus more. He said, oh, these guys in the prison, the jailer and all of these people won't have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Let me tell them. So that's what he did. That's his attitude in prison. And then the verse 14 is even more poignant because it says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident. Now, when someone is put in prison for doing something, then it'll stop. What is the intention? It's to stop the other people from doing the same thing, isn't it? Because it sends fear into their lives. But what happened here? He says that because of my chains, they have become confident to proclaim the gospel. So it seems to have had the opposite effect, isn't it? So there's something of a paradoxical effect there. So what could be the reason there? What could be the reason that he was put in prison, but it's made other people more confident and it's made the jailers and the others hear about Jesus? It must have been his attitude. He must have been so courageous and so unaffected by it and enjoying it. Because he says, I rejoice when we will go. We are going to go on through to that verse where he says he's rejoicing in prison. It's not just putting up with it in prison. He's rejoicing in prison. And so his joy must have been really catching for the others. So they were not scared. They were more confident. They were made more confident. And when we are in difficult situations, when we are going through problems ourselves, how do we affect those around us? So Paul was in a difficult situation. He was in prison. But he had such a lovely effect on the people. People were made more confident, and those people who didn't know about Jesus got to know about Jesus. So that doesn't mean that when we are in a difficult situation, we need to put up a strong face and pretend that we are what we are not, because we are not called to be hypocrites. If we are in a bad place, and if we are worried, 
then it's very right to say, I'm worried, can someone pray for me? But this is all about being so strong and secure and knowing who Jesus is that whatever happens to us, we can still be confident about our God and we can still proclaim that he is God. And that relationship we should all really seek for and long for. And it's amazing that even when I am going through something really awful in my life, I can pray, not just superficial prayers, but pray with faith that my God is a God who heals. And my God is a God who restores. And my God is a God who blesses. So I might be lacking some blessing. I I know a very dear person who is lacking in a very major blessing. But she goes and prays for all her other friends to have that blessing with such a whole lot and she believes for them. So that is possible because of who God is and because God has revealed himself to us, isn't it? So, and what's wonderful about going through difficult situations is that we might go through these difficult situations, but it's Jesus who has promised and who prays for us that our faith will not fail. And that's the most amazing thing because... A few years ago, I had um, uh, stones in my gallbladder, and they said that it needed a surgery to be removed. At that time, I didn't know it was such an easy surgery. I was worried about it, and so we really prayed that God should heal, and I wouldn't need the surgery. At the end of it, I had to have the surgery, and of course, I was, God said, don't worry, I'm with you, so I was okay. When I came back, we go to a prayer meeting, And who gives me the prayer point to pray for healing? Who gets the prayer point to pray for healing? Me. And so I just thought, oh, how do I pray? And I just started to pray. And the faith came, and the boldness came, and the assurance came. So it's amazing that in spite of me going through a difficult situation, and maybe not happening the way I wanted it to happen, I still know that my God is a God who heals I still know that my God is a God who blesses. So in our difficult situations, so it's easy to say this once we have come out of a situation, but in our situation, Paul was in prison. He was in chains. But he still could inspire confidence in other people. So in the situation, we are called to inspire confidence because our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who releases from prison, who sets prisoners free. We might not be experiencing that right now, but we know that he is that kind of a God. And we are going to move on to the next few verses now. We are going to move on to verses 15 to 18. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that, in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So, this passage is sort of like a window into Paul's heart 
because he just says things as they are. He just, he's so confident with the Philippians. He, he's so candid with them. He's so open and honest with them. So when we are in difficult situations, just as Paul was, we would have all kinds of people around us, isn't it? So Paul had all kinds of people around him. So some people, pre- and Paul, so many times we are so careful about not judging people, not judging people, that we get so confused in our minds as well. Paul is very discerning. He says people do preach Christ, some out of selfish ambition, some want to actually add misery to my chains, and then some do out of a goodwill. And the, the key to this, these verses is what does it matter? So it's not like he's glossing over the situation. He's stating things as they are. He, is, he sees people as they are. Because none of us are perfect. All of us have our weaknesses. So when you are in a difficult situation, when I am in a difficult situation, what do we do? We need to see people as they are. Sometimes we can try our best to, even if people mean something bad to us, we may try to think, oh, probably they didn't mean that. And, you know, it, it leads to all sorts of confusion in us. We need to be able to have the discernment to see things as they are. And, but just like Paul, we should be able to say, what does it matter? So when, especially when we are in difficult situations, you know, people give us advice sometimes. And people sometimes say one things that they mean well, but they don't sound too well to us. And then sometimes people say things that are actually not well at all. There are people like that as well in the world. So they do affect us. We cannot pretend that we are unaffected by what people around us say to us, especially when we are in a vulnerable situation and it's a very difficult situation. We, things that people say really have uh, sometimes they could keep us, our mind occupied for days on end, isn't it? But we should learn to be like, we should see people as they are. We should recognize their words for what they are. Just, but say, what does it matter? So that doesn't mean we have to be detached from everyone else. We are called to live as a community. And in our difficult situations, sometimes living in a community is really hard. When we're going as well, it's okay, but... but we are called not to be affected by what other people say. What does it matter? It's hard, but Jesus can give us that grace. And not to judge them or condemn them, to see people as they are. And yet say, it doesn't matter. Christ is preached. Let Jesus be glorified, because our focus is on Christ. So when we are in difficult situations, how do people around us affect us? Do they affect us so much that We focus on what they say and what they expect rather than on Christ. So that's one thing we need to learn from Paul. That we need to look at that. We can't dismiss everything that people say to us. But we should say, what does it matter? Verse 19. We'll move on to that. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So Paul here now goes on to state 
So, so far he's talked about his situation and his current situation and his reflections on people around him, uh, on what's happening and how Jesus is glorified. And then he, there's a slight change here where he talks about his expectation, what he hopes will come out of this present situation. And he clearly says, through your prayers and through God's provision of the Holy Spirit. So he really recognizes that he's not alone, that he can't, he's not a master who can do it all alone. We need people to pray for us. We need people to pray. He, he acknowledges that. So, um, you know, I talked about the lump in my thyroid situation. So last Wednesday, I had an appointment and it's all okay. So they've said it's okay. They still want to confirm something, but they said so far, nothing seems to be, there's nothing to worry. So that was on Wednesday. I had a GP appointment. On Thursday, I had a call from Brenda from our church. Now, I hadn't spoken to Brenda about this at all. I had spoken to other people in the small group, and I think word got around to Brenda. So she calls me, and she says, oh, I've been praying for your uh, neck situation. And I said, oh, okay, word has got around, because I hadn't seen her for a while, and so I hadn't spoken to her about it. And nobody in the group knew that I had a GP appointment on Wednesday. But Brenda said to me, yesterday... I was reminded so many times, and yesterday especially, to pray for you. And that really encouraged me. And I said, Brenda, did you know that yesterday was the appointment I had with the GP? Nobody knew, nobody could have told her that. And so what really amazes me in these kind of situations is that not only when I'm a follower of Jesus, I have a friend who cares for me, and who prays earnestly for me, who I met only a few months ago. But I also have a God who cares about every detail of my life, that he reminds them to pray for me on that day when something is happening. So he coordinates the prayer. So God cares about every detail in our lives. When we are going through a difficult situation, remember, no detail escapes him. And so that really encouraged me, how great, what a great God we have. He knows everything that happens in our lives, and he has people praying for us. And so that just showed me that God loves me so much. God loves us so much, more than we ever know. You know, all the hairs in our head are numbered. I wouldn't go about doing that. I don't have the time. So he, he does that. So that's... so. It's, it's all about Jesus. Paul was focusing all on Jesus. But you know, Jesus is actually focusing all on every one of us as well. It's not like God runs a kingdom or a business where he wants something to happen and he uses us people to carry about his. No, it's not that at all. He just longs to relate to us. And he knows everything about us. It's, I know we are all about him. And he is all about us though. And everything matters to him. And so that's the beauty of this. Paul knows, and he covets the prayers of the Philippians. He knows that through their prayers and through the supply of the Holy Spirit, that he will be released. He is in prison. Paul is enduring the prison. There's something wrong if you enjoy the suffering that's given to you. We are not meant to enjoy the difficult situation we are in but we are meant to rejoice in that difficult situation. So Paul is still hoping for that release. So up to now, that's what we see. 
So again, as we see, Paul says, I earnestly, I eagerly expect and hope that I will not be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage for Christ to be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. So although Paul earnestly expects to be released here, he doesn't know what shape that release is going to be. And that's what really struck me about this bit where he says, whether by life or by death. So even though he expects an outcome, a release, he doesn't know if it's going to be life or if it's going to be death. In our difficult situations as well, so many times our mind goes through various options, isn't it? Whether life is going to happen, whether death, no, not life and death, maybe whether it's going to happen this way or that way, this way or that way. He, Paul doesn't know yet. He hopes to be released. He doesn't know what exactly, what shape that's going to be. And let's go and he still talks a bit more about that tension between life and death in the following verses. So let's read those verses before we um, look at them. So verses, sorry, 21 to 26. Um, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain because he wants to be more useful to them because he thinks it's better for them. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So what, in essence, what he's saying is that If I die, it's actually better for me. I wouldn't have expected that, isn't it? So he says, I I actually prefer dying because I'm going to be with Christ. But if I live, it's going to be more useful for you. That's what he's saying. So he's saying, I'd rather that I think I'm going to live to be useful for you for a little while longer. So when we are faced with difficult situations like this, with prison-like situations where things are not happening, Maybe it's, again, as I said, it could be a family situation. It could be a progress in our jobs. It could be a progress in other things. It could be anything, really, health. We consider all possible options, don't we? We do consider options. There's something wrong if we don't consider it at all. That means we are not, we are completely detached and we are in denial. And it is right to consider all those options. And there have been times in my life when I've considered the options and then I didn't even know what to pray for. Because sometimes situations are so complicated that you don't even know what to pray and how to pray. You think this would be okay, but then you don't know. So sometimes words fail us when we pray. I don't know if you've come across situations like that. Sometimes words just fail us when we pray. And when words fail us when we pray, we have to just trust Just trust in the Lord God Almighty who never fails. And I like the way Paul has honestly debated about it over here. He hasn't said, oh, I know that everything will be okay. He's honestly debated about the pros and cons, what will happen here, what will happen there. And then he prays 
what there's one thing that I just like us to see before we move on to the next is that he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no be ashamed. So what was actually Paul, what was actually Paul having faith for in this situation while he was in prison? He was hoping to be released, but he didn't know whether it was by life or by death. So, but he knew one thing, I eagerly expect that I will in no way be ashamed. So his faith was for a release. His faith was for an outcome of a standing and not for an outcome of a particular situation. So he knew he would be released. He, would, he knew he would, not be un, he would be unashamed, that he would not be ashamed. So, so many times, um, the tension in our hearts, the worries in our hearts in a difficult situation is because we want a particular outcome to happen out of that situation, isn't it? So, so many times we want that, we so desire for that particular outcome to happen that it has us all worried and worked up about it. What we can learn from what Paul says is here, it doesn't matter what the outcome could be. What, it need not be the particular outcome that we are looking forward. If we are able to be satisfied with one outcome that we shall not be ashamed in any situation, then it makes our burden ever so easy to bear. Because we don't know the outcome of the situation. We don't know the particular way in which it's going to happen, but we know we will not be ashamed. So that is the standing that we have. And what is the basis for Paul's faith? So we've talked about Paul's faith in a difficult situation and how he handled it, how he approached it with joy, keeping it, kept his joy, and about how even though he didn't know the outcome, what exactly it will be, life or death, death is not an easy thing. He was okay with either of it because he, was, he knew that he would not be ashamed at all. But what was the basis for his faith? Just three things. He knew what he believed. And if we read Romans 8.28, he says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So he knew. He loved God and he knew that all things work together for good. If we are in a difficult situation right now, which there seems to be nothing good about it, everything about it seems to be bad and it's really pulling us down. Remember, just believe. It, all things, the good, the bad, all things are working together for good for those who love God. Just believe on that. And he knew whom he believed as well. If we read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. So he says, I know whom I believe. And who, who does he believe? That he will keep what is committed to him. If you have a difficult situation today, commit it to Jesus. And he will keep it. And he will make sure that it works for good for you. And he also knew why he believed in who he believed. And that we find a little clue to that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. And he writes to Timothy... If we died with him, that's Jesus, if we died with him, if we let our desires, our lives die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure through all these difficult situations, if we endure, if we pull through, 
we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, if we say, Jesus is not my God, or something very, he will also deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So Paul knew that our God remains faithful. In our weaknesses, we fail sometimes. We are not perfect people. God knows that. In our difficult situations, we find it hard to trust. God knows that. We may be faithless in little things, but he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And that's the kind of a God that Paul believed in. And that's the kind of a God who we believe in. And we can be like Paul. And in these difficult situations that we are in, what is our earnest expectation and our hope? Are we praying for a particular outcome? Are we praying this should happen? Or are we willing to trust God for the outcome? He will amaze you. He will amaze us with an outcome that's even better than what we think is best. So are we willing to trust him for our standing that we will never ever be ashamed? Because that's one thing he has promised. Whatever our difficult situations may be, God has not promised us an easy life. He's called us to suffering. We are called to partake in the sufferings of Jesus. But what he has promised is that we will never be ashamed. And we're just going to close with a song now. We're going to play it in the video. But what we'd like, think about the difficult situations in your life and think about God's promises to you. And as you watch the song, I'd like you to encounter God and if you feel that God has spoken to you and feel free to come to the front and pray and feel free to pray for one another if you know someone else is going through a different... So it's not for us to just sit and watch the song. It's for us to encounter God and ask the Holy Spirit to take control of the situation. And I'd like Moti and to come. Yeah.